The idea that the war in Ukraine is leading to World War Three has trended on Twitter multiple times over the last year. And a lot of people fear this, that we are entering World War Three. Some people might even be willing it to happen. But you have to stop thinking the Ukraine war is the start of World War Three. Why? It's catastrophic thinking. It obscures the specific realities of this particular war, both in Ukraine and the wider global conflict. And it tends to just replay the same old stories about America winning World War Two and World War One, and it will perhaps go into the catastrophic nightmare of World War Three, thinking it might win that one as well. And what's worse, it ignores 75% of the world, the BRICS nations, the global south, who are not at war with Russia. Welcome to the Burning Archive podcast and YouTube channel. I am Jeff Rich, and if you haven't been here before, I talk about geopolitics, history and culture. I'm a retired government official and a historian, a trained historian, who and a writer who is trying through this podcast and this YouTube channel to offer, you know, reasonable, dispassionate, well-informed, well-read commentary on the events of the multipolar world as we see them. So much of what we read in the mainstream media is heavily biased and it requires, I guess, independent voices to take a risk and share their views and that's what I'm trying to do on this channel. So if you haven't been here before, do subscribe. You'll get lots of more great content talking about these sorts of issues as well as bigger topics in history, culture and geopolitics. And what I like to say about the Burning Archive podcast, it is where the past is not dead. The past is not even past. A famous line from William Faulkner's Requiem for a Nun, which someone pointed out to me this week, also appears as the uh, epigram to Prince Harry's Spare. So um, if Prince Harry is out there watching Prince Harry, you stole my tagline. Okay, let's get into the main guts of the show. So this is taught this episode I'm talking I'm continuing my discussion of how uh, there are different historical narratives that can frame the Ukraine Russia war I've done a bit of a review of where we're at with the Ukraine Russia NATO war first with a video that looked at the narrative of events over the last uh, 12 months approximately uh, that looked at who is winning the war against four dimensions of uh, the military war, the economic war, the diplomatic war, conflict struggle, and the information or cultural war. And uh, I've also done uh, some videos now on the historical narrative, the framing, the big stories, the, um, uh, the big ideas we try to frame this conflict in. Is it the start of World War Two? Is it a war of aggression? Is it a provoked war uh, as a result of NATO's eastward expansion? Or is it uh, a stand for freedom, democracy and national independence from Ukraine? 
Uh, and so I looked at the overall narrative, like, and just how, with all these conflicting stories and the distressing reporting of the deaths and tragedies of war, how we can stay sane with this bombardment of narratives. And in the last uh, video, last episode, I looked at six common stories of uh, the Ukraine war, whether it's democracy versus autocracy, whether it's a Ukrainian civil war, whether it's uh, the uh, Russian Empire striking back. And in this episode, I'm going to look at six um, provocative alternative ways of telling the story that uh, step away a little bit from the immediate uh, events in Ukraine. Uh, which were much more detailed, discussed in a much more detailed way in the previous discussions, and look really more how this event can be seen as part of a big global conflict. And there are different ways of telling that story. Uh, some of them, I guess, I talked about last time: democracy versus autocracy, Cold War Two. Um, uh, but in this episode, I'm going to talk about six alternative different ways and what I really want to encourage people to do is stop making the comparison or the or stop thinking that this is World War three that this is a replay of World War two that Putin is Hitler that you know America is freedom and democracy and uh, you know Russia and China are you know dictatorships and, and evil um, and to try to see it in a much more nuanced way, and also to see the specific realities of this global conflict. And a lot of it is much more about America than Russia or Ukraine. And as I said briefly at the start, the reasons why it's really good to stop thinking that this is World War Three is... Ultimately, that's, you know, catastrophic thinking. Uh, World War Three will be a disaster if, if we... And there is a serious risk of nuclear conflict. In my mind, perhaps a greater risk of America uh, using nuclear weapons. After all, it is the one state in history that has used nuclear weapons, and it did so to, more to um, project power than to in the last the second world war although that's a subject of you know intense debate uh, but certainly as the as as in my mind the prospects of ukrainian and nato defeat uh, loom uh, there is a serious risk that the um, uh, the american elite who have exaggerated their sense of a power of power may lash out and do something stupid i hope not i trust not i i uh have some level of belief that there are reasonable decision makers still in the american elite but let's all hope it doesn't get that far but the uh, the people who do seem to wish to escalate are just continuing to do so uh, let's hope more sensible and moderate voices uh, 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 um, uh, prevail in the weeks and months ahead okay so let's get back to the main thing so we can't just replay these ideas of american victories and uh uh we need to look at the specific character of this war uh 
and we need to see how it is occurring, not just in the military field and uh, and with different tactics and different methods and new weapons, uh, uh, new new uh, revelations about um, the capa- capabilities of NATO armies, Russian armies, Ukrainian armies, American armies, uh, and their command structures. Uh, but we also need to uh, look at how the uh, cultural, economic and diplomatic realities are playing out. And in particular, we need to recognise that uh, even though uh, the NATO alliance has done its best to try to isolate Russia in the world, the reality is most of the world China, India, the BRICS nations have not come to the side of the United Nations of NATO uh, in support of their calls to isolate Russia. This is, at this point, a war between the Americans with their European uh, allies and uh, Russia in Ukraine. It is not a war that is... Uh, occurring in China, in India, in South America, in Africa, even though some of the economic consequences of uh, the the war are certainly spilling out to those countries. Okay, so in summary, stop thinking about uh, this conflict as the start of World War Three, and try to think of it in some different ways. So here are six ideas, six deliberately provocative ideas for how you can tell a different story about this conflict and its global significance but not see it as a start of World War III or a replay of uh, American successes in World War One and World War Two. Now the first of those ideas, ironically enough, is uh, an, is based on an article that was uh, or an interview that was recently conducted by the French intellectual anthropologist, demographer, sociologist, historian, a bit of a, 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 a jack of all trades, Emmanuel Todd, where he declared that World War Three has already started, um, but. Uh, the way in which he described that World War Three is perhaps somewhat different to the conventional catastrophic thinking about uh, World War Three that it will be a um, you know a nuclear exchange that America will probably survive and the rest of the world will you know not. In the last couple of weeks, Emmanuel Todd was interviewed by the uh, uh, French newspaper, the major French newspaper magazine Figaro. And he said he made some very interesting comments about the war in Ukraine, uh, how it's spilling out into uh, bigger historical patterns and, uh, I guess, sociological, uh, cultural differences between the different uh, civilizations, parts of the world, and also what it might mean, particularly in the economic world for America's role as the dominant financial power which underpins so much of its military and diplomatic dominance in the world. 
Uh, Emmanuel Todd is a very interesting uh, intellectual. A couple of years ago, he wrote a book called Lineages of Modernity, A History of Humanity from the Stone Age to Homo Americanus. Uh, and he wrote it, uh, I think, in 2017. To some degree, it was a reckoning with Brexit and Donald Trump. And it explored, I guess, the uh, growing alienation, I guess, between the educated, um, progressive middle class elites in uh, Western Anglo-American countries, especially uh, and those with a deep attachment to national identity. And his actual specialty, Emmanuel Todd, is really about family systems. Uh, that's where his uh, uh, demography sort of comes into play. And so he's, he, a lot of this book is actually a description of how different parts of the world have, have different kinds of family structure, like you know, in the Anglo-American world, there's a fairly isolated nuclear family and a highly individualist culture. In other parts of the world, they're more patrilineal and uh, extended family structures. And his argument is they tend to support a more collectivist and traditional set of uh, social arrangements, um, morality, and political orientation. But he also looks at some of the big trends in humanity over the last 100 years or so uh, and has this particularly interesting quotation that never have human groups of such a size been so rich, so old, so educated and so devoid of collective beliefs. And I guess I emphasise that at the start because it's that that uh, those deep um, underlying social patterns and that lead to cultural and political differences that really come to the fore in Emmanuel Todd's understanding of uh, what it means that um, World War Three has begun and how it might turn out. And he has some level of track record for making sensible predictions. In the 1970s, he actually predicted uh, and became quite famous for doing so the collapse of the Soviet Union, not as a result of Ronald Reagan or you know American um, military might or economic might, but because of these... Um, uh, uh, the various demographic patterns that were evident in the Soviet Union that created fundamental social problems for them that ultimately uh, collapsed their sort of social order. And similarly, a few years ago, he wrote a significant book called After Empire that really uh, talked about the uh, the increasing difficulties that America would experience. Uh, you know, uh, trying to maintain its unipolar dominance of the world. So in both cases, he's been quite uh, foresightful. And what he has to say in his recent interview is this. He says that what we're seeing when he says World War Three has begun, he doesn't mean a, cat uh, a um, kind of computer game type, uh, you know, apocalyptic military scenario. He says a global economic confrontation has clearly begun 
between the West and Russia and China. And he emphasizes that although it's common to talk about Russia uh, seeing this conflict as existential for them, this economic confrontation between Russia, China and the West is actually also existential for the West, existential in the meaning that it threatens its, its position, its existence in the world. And he comments that if Russia, with its partnership with China, is able to see through and withstand the economic warfare that Europe and America have launched against it, uh, and is able to uh, use its industrial capacity to uh, successfully conduct a war of attrition against the European and American powers that have less industrial capacity, uh, noting that in war, industrial capacity becomes rather important, rather less important than, you know, finance, insurance and real estate. Uh, or, or you know, online businesses. Uh, and he comments that American monetary and financial controls of the world would collapse and with them the possibility for the US to fund its huge trade deficit for nothing. The American reserve currency underpins its enormous, it allows it to basically uh, transfer, if you like, the cost of the of its debt spending uh, to the rest of the world through uh, inflation and the US dollar. So something that starts to lead to less reliance on the US dollar, which we are seeing, uh, has a potential to pull out some uh, uh, pull out cards from a house of cards around the American financial uh, and governmental system and a large part of the American deficit is uh, its uh, military spending and I think even the uh, conservative fairly pro-American uh, historian Neil Ferguson has commented that America is really getting into the situation that Britain was in in the 1920s I think where it's uh, spending it, it's it's spending to service its debt is now greater than its uh, military spending. So it's getting to this sort of position where it is um, uh, basically can't afford to maintain the empire. So Todd's fear is that the US, with this existential threat, cannot let go of continuing escalation. It has got to collapse Russia and China, or it will collapse. And I'm not sure that is really true. Um, but what he does also comment on is, uh, I guess, American overconfidence that its cultural, social, political values, the liberal rules-based order, simply doesn't have uh, uh, America is overconfident that the world uh, still sees I guess America as the the light on the hill the beacon uh, of freedom in the world the beacon of the values that the rest of the world want to follow and he kind of points out that uh, his analysis of those long-term trends and those long-term um, 
uh, family structures uh, uh, is being borne out by the response of large parts of the world which are actually more sympathetic to Russia as that it offers a moral conservatism that is appealing to many parts of the world that uh, have different values. And I think this is uh, evident, I guess, especially in the uh, speeches that, oh, the major speech that Vladimir Putin made in uh, Baodai uh, towards the end of 2022, which I've done uh, a number of videos on, uh, which really does make, I guess, a pitch to the global south and to other parts, even to more traditional parts of the world. Uh, for a, a diversity of civilizations, a diversity of values of the world, rather than a dominance of the sort of Anglo-American liberal rules-based order and all that implies. And then he also comments that the weakness of America's deindustrialized, high, high, uh, you know, heavy high-tech media. Um, finance, insurance, real estate economy with much less capacity for industry uh, is also uh, coming to the fore that um, people have have uh, confused themselves by relying on GDP statistics that he describes as ultimately an economic fiction because they don't describe real output, real technology. And this is a similar theme, I guess, to the one uh, articulated by Andre Martinov in his various books on uh, the reality of uh, the military uh, industrial um, uh, balance of power between Russia and America. In essence, Todd is saying uh, America and uh, Western Europe has dramatically underestimated Russia, both in terms of its military capacity, its uh, economic capacity, its diplomatic appeal, and its cultural power, its, it, its cultural foundations in the, the nature of actual ordinary life, of family life, within its, its society and the societies of many countries in the world. And so... Uh, World War Three may be beginning, but it may well be that America does not emerge from World War Three, the victor. So that's my video on why the Ukraine conflict is kind of World War Three, but also it's not World War Three, and we really should stop thinking that it is World War Three, uh, because. Uh, it's not going to do any good for how we all feel about <laughs> the future. And it's not going to help us find our way back to dialogue and diplomacy. And uh, I'll be back real soon in a couple of days with the next video once I've finished editing it um, that will um, explain five more ways of thinking about uh, this Ukraine uh, conflict as a global conflict, five uh, alternative ways of thinking that hopefully will help you understand geopolitics, history and culture. In the meantime, please subscribe, please share, please like.
please check out all my content on theburningarchive.com and also why don't you buy my book from the Burning Archive. See you soon.